So if you didn't get a chance to uh, participate in the offering this morning, and uh, for whatever reason, and you would like to, then uh, if you raise your hands, the ushers will get you an envelope. If you're making that check, make that new creation church, and there's ways to give. You can text your gift and all that. But uh, while they're doing that real quick, then uh, uh, in the 27th Psalm, it says, uh, be diligent to know, uh, to attend to your herds. It says, be diligent uh, to know the state of your affairs and attend to your herds. It says, for riches are not forever, a crown does not endure to all generations. But when it's all said and done, your investments, and if you're diligent, those things will take care of you. Those things will come back, your investments will take care of you. And, uh, and so the most important part is to be diligent to know your affairs. Be diligent to know what your finances are. You got to be diligent to know what your income is and what your spending habits are. You know, you can't spend more than you bring in. You know, you got to know the the income and the outgo. And it says, be diligent to know that and you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. Let's, I will pray real quick. Father, thank you for this opportunity to give. I thank you, Lord, that you're teaching us to prosper. You're leading us by the way that we should go. I thank you, Lord. I, I just command a blessing over each and every person here, Lord. This will be the year that they're amazed, that you're just going to be standing in awe. They'll be standing in awe and amazement of what you have done. We thank you. We praise you. give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And go ahead and pass the buckets. So praise God. And uh, thank you for coming. And um, we're going to, um, you know, I, uh, last few times, um, we talked about predictable success. And that's a business model that uh, started using several years ago. And so some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about is going to relate to my situation, mainly because I don't know your situation. So, you know, hopefully you can take what I talk about and apply it to your situation. And if you can't, then um, I'm going to, at the end, I'm going to hopefully help you get there. So um, I'm going I'm to say this a lot because, and uh, hopefully just to the point of not quite being redundant, but predictable success is um, focusing on a process that will lead to a final result. And if we, if we know what the result is that we want, the result is a goal. Um, God said he knows the, the end from the beginning. So if we know the end from the beginning, that's our goal. We can set a goal. And, and uh, this is going to show you how to get there. And... Um, so if we constant, consistently follow proven processes, the desired outcome can be predetermined. The desired outcome can be predicted. And uh, so I can tell you that, you know, I've, I've been doing the offering for like 30 years. And in all that time, I've never felt so much anxiety and so much opposition and so much pressure um, in, in, you know, uh, bringing something um, and talking about pr- predictable success. And, um, you know, the reason why is because if you, if you get this down, it will bring results. It will bring results. And if it brings results and you have increased more than you've ever thought that you could ever possibly have, what could you do? What damage could you do to the devil? What damage could you do? What what good could you do to the kingdom of God if you had unlimited resources? It's amazing. It's, it's you know, whatever. You can, the sky's the limit. 
And so uh, that's kind of, um, my wife said the other day, she goes, man, you are shaking. And I said, yeah, babe, thanks for that revelation. I had no idea. And then Pastor Mark says, you know, maybe we could get you a, a mic stand, and you could take the mic stand up there and just put the mic in there so you don't have to hold it. <laughs> and, uh, so, but like I say, I know that I know that this works. And I know that um, we've done it. It's tried. It's true. And I'm just going to go through some things. But uh, in Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32, and it said, the, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have re returned to me, strengthen your brethren. In other words, you know, share. Share what you've learned with the brethren. And, uh, and how many of you know that if Jesus told you to share some, it's pretty important. And so um, 1 John says, faith is our victory that overcomes the world. So predictable success is basically faith in action. Because if you know, if you know that you, if I follow this process, the outcome will be predetermined. If I follow this process, that's faith. You know, if I know, if, if I know that I know that I know, and I believe in all my heart that if I follow these processes, the outcome will be predictable and predetermined, that's faith. That's putting your faith in action. And so <clears throat> that's basically what it is. So if you consistently follow proven processes, the desired outcome can be predetermined, predictable success. Focus on the process, not the outcome. So no matter what the desired outcome is, if you're passionate about it, if you're passionate about it, you can create a process and you can, you can hit that desired outcome. You can achieve that outcome. So um, our foundational scripture is this, <clears throat> Joshua 1.8. The Lord is speaking directly to Joshua here. So it's not just something that Joshua may have thought he heard. God is speaking directly to him. And it says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So when most people read this scripture, they think about the outcome, prosperity and success. That's what they think mostly about the outcome. We probably all do, prosperity and success. I'm going prosper to be prosperous, and I'm going to have good success. But God says, for then, for then, after you, um, um, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Prosperity and success are the result or outcome of the process. Speak the word, meditate on the word, and obey the word, and apply it to every situation. That's the process, and the outcome is predictable. The outcome is guaranteed, prosperity and, and success. And um, I can tell you, and I'm fully convinced, and um, with all my heart, that our prosperity and success um, came from what, Josh, what God told Joshua. Because I know, I know, we put it into practice. Um, speak the word, um, meditate on the word, think about the word, and obey the word. And God says he shows no favoritism. It, the word works to whoever will apply it. So it will work. And God actually calls his word a perpetual decree, a perpetual decree. That means it's ongoing and everlasting, ongoing forever. His word will always, always be true. His, he will never go back on his word. And so I know if I keep following this process, we'll continue to have, to have uh, success and prosperity. 
But I also know the opposite. If I'm not in the Word as I should be, if, uh, you know, I shortcut or take time off, um, you know, it's going to show up down the road. It will show up down the road, and we've been there too. We've been at that place, and then we've got to repent, change directions, get back in the Word, start doing, speak the Word, <laughs> meditate on the Word, obey the Word, um, and apply it, and, I, and things turn around. And it may not be overnight, but it will turn around because God can't lie. God cannot lie. And so, um, um, so success and prosperity in the kingdom of God is obviously different than success and prosperity in the world. Um, it's, it's, uh, Proverbs 8 says, With me are riches and righteousness, enduring wealth um, and prosperity, enduring um, wealth and righteousness, no sorrow. And so... Um, um, so, in the kingdom of God, your, your investments and your money and your finances, they transfer over to heaven. They do. Jesus said, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Lay, them up, lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. So, in the kingdom of God, um, your, your accounts transfer. And, um, but in the world system, they end with you. And that's it. You know, you're done. And um, so, in... Uh, the 73rd Psalm, it says, um, uh, the psalmist said, I was envious of the boastful. I was envious of the boastful and the person that prospered in his way, not in God's way, in his way. And he always seemed to be increasing, never had a care in the world. And, um, and then all of a sudden, God took him aside and he showed him his end. And he said, wow, that's not where I want to go. Um, he showed him his end and the end was the end. And so, you know, I had an experience, a friend in Denver, when we were, you know, early 2000s, you know, we were commuting back and forth to Denver every week, sometimes twice a week, and, you know, there was um, um, a person that um, I became kind of envious about because, you know, big house, never had to worry about a car payment, a house payment, anything like that. He just seemed to, you know, not a care in the world, had all the money that he ever wanted, um, probably couldn't even spend all the money that he has. And um, then one night, um, you know, and I'm driving back and forth to Denver, you know, in the middle of the night and snowstorms and all that kind of stuff, and I'm going, Jesus. And um, one night, I had a vision, and there was two parallel lines. And so one line was going to hell, and the other line was going to heaven. And this person was in a different line than I was. And we were in this line, and it's judgment day, right? And he looked over at me and said, uh, Alan, why didn't you tell me? I would have listened to you. And by then, it's too late. So I'm just telling you that success and prosperity may not look like the world's success and prosperity. And I've been in business for a long time, and... Uh, the world has kind of a different um, definition of the golden rule. You know, the world's definition a lot of times, not every time, is do unto others before they do it to you, you know? And, you know, you think about that, <laughs> you know, um, it's not an ethical business practice. And that's what's happening in the world today. You can look at it in politics. You can look at it in the business world. You can look at it however you want to look at it. And... People are not operating the way God tells to do it in, the kingdom, in, in his kingdom. And if we're not operating the way God has us operate, 
we're not going to have success and prosperity, you know, biblical success and prosperity. So, um, so I want to give you a couple examples. One is from my own experience, and one is for, um, this is about predictable success, and one is about John Wooden. So I don't know if you all know who John Wooden is, but he coached and led UCLA basketball to 10 NCAA national championships, um, which has never been done before, and probably never will be. 10 NCAA, most coaches don't stay around that long, but he won 10 national championships um, in the 60s and 70s, and um, it was amazing, and he never called it predictable success, but his, his uh, focus was never on the championships. You know, he never brought the glory onto himself. His, his focus was on the process. And this is well documented. So the first day of practice, whether it was his superstars coming back or there were just new recruits, the first day of practice, every single year, he took the, all, the, all the players into the locker room and he showed them how to put on their shoes and socks. And he said, that's where we're going to start this process. We're going to start it with the lowest possible denominator with your shoes and socks. Because he knew if they put their shoes and socks on wrong, the way he ran them and the way he got them in shape, they would have blisters. And if they had blisters, they wouldn't be able to practice. And so that was part of his process, was getting his team in better shape than any other team because he found out that teams fade in the second half. Um, and so his teams would not fade in the second half, and that was, you know, along with all the other processes that he put in place, it became predictable for them to always be, you know, in the Final Four, in the NCAA championship. They, they were always right there. It was predictable. Everybody knew. It was predictable. If you go up against UCLA, you're going to lose. And it was predictable. So, um, um, and then from my experience, and I, I've... Should probably share this before, but um, it's what I know. And so, like I said, I don't know what you do. I don't know what you know. So this is what I know. And so, uh, um, so my, uh, from my experience, at Pella, um, the top 5% of the reps in the nation, and there's hundreds and hundreds of reps, um, you know, there's several hundred distributorships, and there's 30 or 40 reps per distributorship. So they always, the, at, at Pella, the top 5%, are, um, and the nation are nominated for what we call President's Club. Top 5% of the reps in the nation, they always call it the best of the best. And so every year, um, it's a national event, and they celebrate on a huge scale. It's either in, you know, um, the Fountain Blue in Florida one year, so that's one of the most expensive hotels in the nation. It's in, um, you know, Huntington Beach. It's in some place that's pretty grand. And they have top entertainers, and they parade the reps up on stage, and they get a, a nice award. And um, one of the things they do is uh, um, the first time you win, they give you a ring, you know, a big, a big gaudy ring that you'd never wear, but, you know, it's a big <laughs> ring. And then if the next time you win, and every time after that, they put a diamond on it. And so it's a big enough ring to start putting diamonds on. And so uh, the first time that I won... Um, there was a guy there, and, and he was actually from New Jersey, and uh, he had six diamonds on his ring. And I said, man, I'm going to have seven. I'm going to make it a goal to have seven. And so I, um, again, um, committed to a process. I committed to a process. I didn't say, I'm going to have seven and leave it at that. I said, okay, to get to seven, I'm going to have to take this to the lowest denominator. 
And every year I committed to a process. I broke it down to the lowest possible thing from knowing my closing percent, what my closing percent was. Every time, you know, if I quoted 10 jobs, I'd close three. And so I knew my closing percent. So from that, um, from knowing my closing percent, I know what I had to quote to know what I had to sell to know to get to the outcome. So I didn't have to focus on the outcome. All I had to do was focus on the process. And to quote this much, I had to see this many customers um, every single week, and so on and so on and so on. So I just broke it down. And then um, by the end of it, at the end of my selling career, um, my ring was filled with diamonds. I had 10 diamonds in my ring. And the thing of it was, it's not how great I am, not, nothing to do with how great I am, but it was a result of the process. It was a result of the process. And I, I was diligent, and I was committed to it every day. And one of my processes that I was committed to was priorities. You know, because there were people, there were guys there standing up there, uh, still are today, that on their third or fourth marriage, and um, they never probably seen a kid's baseball game, one of their kid's baseball games. And so they might have gotten some glory but it wasn't no sorrow with it. And so that's the thing is priorities. God is first, my family's second, and, and that was third. And I, and I always try to keep that. I can honestly say I don't think I ever missed a kid's baseball game or Kyle or Ryan's baseball games, Casey's softball games. Um, you know, I may have to stay up or get up at 4 in the morning or work till midnight, but that, the priority was the priority. So that was... That was always, and that's part of this too, but not to get ahead of myself, but um, so um, what I'm most happy with in all that is um, when my selling career was over and I had a team under me, um, this became a non-negotiable process. This, what the process was, was non-negotiable. If you were, if you were a rep, and, and we work together, this, is, this will become your process. You can tweak it, you can make it your own, but you can't circumvent it. And since that time in 2006, um, you know, we have some really good reps, and they've, they've taken those processes and things change. And so they've proved upon them and made them their own, but they always followed their process. And um, as of last year, we had, from 2006 to present, we have over 60 combined President Club wins. 60 combined wins. Some of the reps have way more than me. They've done it by consistently following a process every year. And, you know, I, I'm not in charge of their family life, but the ones that I know, that I, that I do have a little bit of control over, um, their priorities are in order. They're not working themselves to death. They know their kids. You know, they didn't grow up, hmm, now my kids are going to treat me like I treated them. And uh, you only see them once or twice a year. But uh, that never happened. So, um, so that's, um, you know, that's kind of the, the gist of my career is um, it's just become just it, it, it is what it is. You know, this is just what it's become is this is how we do it. And we've done it every, every single year for all these years. And we'll continue to do it until... Um, I decided to retire, so, um, but it's a process, and, um, and again, I'm going to say this again, just so I don't, a little less than redundant. We need to consistently follow processes that will lead us 
to a successful outcome. That's what you got to get down. You got to follow, come up with processes, again, set the goal, and then go to the lowest common denominator and build up from there. In, uh, but the kingdom of God operates by process. In Mark 4, 26 through 29, and he said, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then after that the full grain and the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in a sickle because the harvest has come. The outcome is the harvest, right? The outcome of any farmer is the harvest. But the result of the harvest is the process of sowing, water, cultivating, and harvesting. You can't shortcut it. There's no way you can't, you can, a farmer can't shortcut it or he will lose his crop. He, he will lose out on his harvest. And it's the same thing in the kingdom of God. So we talked about this, there's no shortcuts. So number one, we have to keep first things first. And I talks about this, priorities. Keep first things first. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. God is telling you what he told Joshua in, in 1.8. Um, you know, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You'll meditate day and night so that you can um, to, uh, consistently observe to do all that is written in it, and then you'll make your way prosperous, and you'll have good success. And that's what, he's, what Jesus is basically saying, the same thing, is that there's a process that if we seek God first, all the added things will be added unto you. All the things that the world seeks after, all the things that the world um, is concerned about, all those things will be added unto you. So, um, and, you know, again, most of the time when we look at that scripture, we think about um, all these things being added unto us, all these things. But it's the result of the process of seeking God first. And so God is first things first. Follow the process. I said this before in the offering. He'll add his super to our natural. When you, look, when you read 2 Corinthians 9.8, it says God is able to make all grace, all grace. Not some of his grace, but all of his grace. All of his abilities, all grace. Um, Pastor Jonathan talked about grace this morning. Um, he, he'll... Um, and God is able to make all grace, I have to start over, I forget where I'm at. Um, God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things and an abundance for every good work. And I, probably on all of us, none of us are to that point. All sufficiency, always. He didn't just say all sufficiency. He said always having all sufficiency in all things. And that's a promise from God. That's a promise. He said we can get there. We can get there, but most people look at that and say, oh, that's great, but they miss the process. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So number two, number one is seek first things first. Number two, control what you can control. Control what you can control. And, and again, will you commit to your process? Will you commit to it? And, you know, in the, in the years that we did it, I, there's probably more that failed than succeeded because... You know, they were lazy or they think they didn't need to or whatever the situation was, um, they didn't make enough money and they didn't make enough money because they didn't sell enough. And they didn't sell enough because they didn't follow a process. So um, it came pretty simple, but will you, will you commit to your process? That's a choice. And so, you know, we all have different situations, so you, this need to be applied 
to your life, to your situation, your business, your personal, your whatever it is that you, where you have a goal, it has to be applied. And then continuous improvement. It means tweaking your processes um, or your routine to make it better. Continuous improvement. Always try to strive for continuous improvement. When, when we were uh, kind of in, in the earlier part of my year, um, GE, uh, General Electric, and Toyota were always kind of competing for, um, you know, different um, manufacturing success and, and you know, um, uh, customer satisfaction and all those different things. They had different goals like that that they were always competing for. And uh, so, actually, Toyota came with a thing called Six Sigma. And Six Sigma is, is a continuous improvement, but what it meant was eliminate variation. And so they were, their plant was, at the time, was all over the place. Sometimes if they were producing a part, they would have 10 mistakes per 100. And then the next time they've had three mistakes per 100. And then the next time they'd have six per, um, mistakes per 100. So they just said, okay, if we eliminate the variation, and let's just take it down to say we have five mistakes per 100. Let's get to five. Let's eliminate the variation so we can eliminate that. Then when we get to five, we can look at it and say, okay, now we can get to three. Now we can get to two, and we can attain to perfection. And so many other companies, GE um, and several Pella, all these companies adopted Six Sigma, eliminating the variation. And guess what the Bible says? God never varies. He's, there's no variation, no shadow of turning. He does it the same way every single time. And so that's the result of following a process. That's following a process is doing it the same way every time, continuous improvement. And then just remember the, um, the lowest um, possible denominator and, and start there. So this is about best practices, repeating them, continuously repeating your best practices. In, um, in our business, um, so um, time is critical because there's only so many hours a day. You can only see so many customers in a day. Most reps' time is actually 30% um, of their time is actually in front of a customer. So how can you get more time in front of the customer? Well, you've got to eliminate all the non-selling activities that you can possibly eliminate. And one of the things that we found is that um, through the quoting process, you know, on a custom home, you may quote a job, you know, five, six, seven times because they're always making changes before it comes to final order. And then once it comes to final order, you know, it's obviously changed from the plans, but at some point in time, a contractor and architects are going to say, wait a minute, this isn't on the plans, what's going on? And so then it was um, a cluster, <laughs> you know? You were going back, continually going back, spending a ton of time finding out, you know, what happened, when did this happen, why did this change, who, who requested this change, and so we just made a simple thing, a simple process. Every file is going to look like this. It's going to start with your first quote at the back of the file, and then every time there's a change, you're going to document the change, and then you're going to print that quote, put it in the file, in a chronological order till the order is first, and then, then it goes into, you know, the centralized filing cabinet. Back then, we didn't have computers um, as easily accessible as we do today. And so, uh, you know, we had a lot of filing cabinets. <laughs> and so, uh, um, and we burned a lot of trees. We used a lot of trees for all the paper that we printed, but it worked. And, uh, and 
you know, it was amazing that the reps didn't see how much time that stole of going back and trying to figure out what, when, where all this stuff happened. And it became, you know, just, hey, on this date. And then the contractor could go back and say, okay, you're right, on this date. And so it just eliminated a ton of time trying to find out, um, you know, what happened. Um, the other thing this did is when I started in 2006, our mistakes, um, you know, the do-overs, returns, allowances, all that kind of stuff, was 2% of sales. It was 2% of sales. At that time, we were selling about 40, 45 million. So that's $900,000 in mistakes in, in $40 million worth of business, 900,000. And so we committed to a process, and at the end of the first year, we were down to one half of 1% in the first year, one half of 1%. We went from $950,000 or $900,000 in mistakes to $225,000 in mistakes. And one of the things we did is we incentivized it with the reps. So they had skin in the game. If, you, if, you, if, you're, uh, if your mistakes are less than one half of 1%, we'll split the difference with you. And uh, we'll split that difference. So, so we had reps, and we still have reps today, um, two of our top reps, that, I mean, they just don't make mistakes. I mean, they make, if they make a $1,000 mistake, and both of them sold $10 million a piece alone, um, if they make a $1,000 mistake, it's a big deal. It ruins their day. And it's, it's no big deal, man. <laughs> you haven't made a mistake. It's nothing. You know, you're fretting over it. You know, the money that your hourly rate is more than the time that you've taken to fret about it, you know. And uh, so let it go. And, uh, and, but, you know, it's all the result of just a process and, and committing to it. And so... Um, uh, so if you follow the process every time, here comes my saying again, the outcome is predictable. And so I want everybody to go away here thinking, if I follow this process, the outcome will be predictable. The outcome is predictable. And so there's also this huge misconception in business, and, and, and uh, we live through this too, um, that the big eats the small. And, and this happens in our personal, um, a lot of in our personal careers, and, um, you know, we come against somebody that, that has more resources than us, that bigger, stronger, faster, whatever it is. And um, this, there's this conception that um, they're too big. I can't compete with that. We don't have the resources they have. The big eats the small. Well, in, 2000, um, um, in 2008, when the recession hit from 2008, 2009, um, our sales went from 55 million to 25 million the next year. And so um, we were considered a large branch, and, but there was a lot larger branches than us. But um, during that time, when we saw that this was going to happen, we said, man, we got to cut today. We got to be fast because the ship will sink. We're too big to lose 20 million in sales um, in a single year. We, we can't do it. So we just said, okay, this is going to be tough, but we're going to have to keep the business afloat we're going to have to have some layoffs, and we're going to have to change the business. And so we, we changed the business model, and a lot of our employees went to 1099 and, and started working that way. Some of them became very successful, more successful than they, can, they could ever be working hourly. But, they, uh, but we had to do it. It was tough choices. We did it fast. We were the only branch west of the Mississippi that made it through 2012. Every other branch, Pella either took over 
or they, they made them sell it. And um, there's only one other branch, actually, it was Utah and us. We're the only two branches that, that made it through that with the same ownership. Everybody else sell. We were both fast. The fast eat the, um, the, fast eat the slow. The big branches hung on. We can't do that. We, we, you know, and what did that do? Yeah, it was sad to have the layoffs, but it would have been sadder if we would have lost everything, if the ship would have gone completely down, if the, with the Titanic went down, um, you know, it, that would be way worse. And so we did what we had to do. So um, the big don't eat the fall, the, the small, the fast eat the slow. Because if that were true, if the big did eat the small, we'd have no control. There'd always be something bigger coming along. There'd always be a bigger fish, and we'd just be like the smaller fish waiting to get swallowed up. Um, David could have never defeated Goliath. He could have never done it. Um, but the truth is, um, the fast eat the slow. And I've heard John Bevere say this many times. God, hold, God told him dire, uh, directly and through other people, if you don't write this book, I'll get somebody who will. If you don't write this book, and he got it. He couldn't procrastinate because there was the pressure that if he didn't do it, he would, God would get somebody else. And look how many millions of books he sold. Look what a, um, what a blessing has he been to the kingdom of God and to all the different languages that he books, puts his books in. And it's truly amazing, but he didn't want to do it. He told God, he told um, God, man, you got the wrong person, man. I flunked English. You know, I'm horrible at this. Um, you got to get somebody else. And God's, you know, finally told him through, and through other people, if you, do, if you don't do it, I will get somebody else, but you are called to do this. So if God is calling you to do something, then do it. If, if you think, you know what, I, I'm as far as I can go in my career, there's nothing more that I can do, then maybe it's time to ask God for something different. Because he'll give us the desires of our heart. You're not going to be stagnant. He doesn't want you stagnant. He wants you to keep growing. And I've always looked at it like this. If I don't get up on Monday morning and I'm happy to go to work, and you know, you're not always happy. I mean, there's some Monday mornings I'd rather not. But you know what? If I dread it, if I ever dread getting up on Monday and going to work, that's my last day. I'm not going to live my life doing that. And you know what? Because um, enthusiastic people, there's a lot more enthusiastic people that are successful than, are, than people that are, you know, looking down at the dirt all day and kicking the dirt and hating what they do. Those kind of people are really never successful. Or they get to a level and then they burn out. And um, so, and I'm not telling you to quit your job tomorrow. And I'm just telling you that God will open doors, you know. God will open doors. Look for those opportunities. Opportunities are where you find them. We used to tell our reps all the time, ah, oh, there's just no business. No. Opportunities are where you find them, so get out and find them. You know, we had... Um, this is kind of a funny story, but we had a, um, a deal one time where we, we had a, it was at a sales meeting, and we came in with this question, and it says, what are you going to do if the phone stops ringing? What will you do if the phone stops ringing? And this was, this was pretty close to 2008 to, or 2009 when it, when it crashed. What are you going to do if the phone stops ringing? Because a lot of these reps, they were dependent on their contractors calling them. They, didn't have, they had enough business um, that they didn't have to go out and, um, you know, pound the pavement. They didn't have to go out, and um, it just came to them. You know, they didn't have to prospect. It just came to them. And so uh, we said, what are you going to have to do? And come back in two weeks with a plan. What are you going to do? And a couple of these guys said, um, 
you know what, we're going to go in, um, this is in Denver, we're going to go in Wash Park, and they're doing all these pop-tops, you know, where they pop, this, pop this, uh, the roof and put on a second story. And he said, this, these couple guys said, every time they get ready to do one, the first thing they do is they bring a dumpster. So every time we see a dumpster go in, we find out what they're doing, who the contractor, who the architect is. And they started doing this before the... The crash kind of happened, or the crash happened, and so they were already. When it did happen, they were already getting business. They they switched over new home sales, spec homes. All that went down to almost nothing. It was in the news every day. You know, people were just walking away from their mortgages, and spec house builders were left with houses that were worth, you know, basically twenty cents on the dollar. And these guys were already getting business from um, remodels, remodel and replacement. And so they were always ahead of the game, and they, again, they were successful through the whole thing. Um, again, the fast eats the slow, and they came up with the process. You know, I'm going to drive this neighborhood, and if I see a dumpster, I'm going to jump on it. You know, and it's, we used to call them dumpster divers because they were passionate about driving around in those different high-end neighborhoods in Denver and finding out where you know, the opportunities were. So opportunities are where you find them. And then, uh, um, you know, the other things, so we're talking about control what we can control. We can control our attitude. You can control, you know, how you treat other people. You control if we're getting outworked. And, um, you know, in our company, nobody wanted to be the guy that got outworked. You know, you just didn't. When I've said this before, we used to have a monthly sales award. And, you had, we had the top gun and the pop gun, and the top gun got $100 bills, and the pop gun had to carry this little toy pop gun for a month until the next sales meeting until he wasn't the pop gun anymore. And we, we brought that up years later, and people were offended. People said, how can you do that? that that's so degrading and demoralizing, and that's just how cultures changed. But um, <clears throat> it was, excuse me, it was just real simple. Are you getting outworked or not? And we didn't, you know, it was embarrassing to be outworked. And, and uh, so that was a, creature that, a culture that we tried to create. And we also control what I said before, first things first. Is God really first? If it came down to it, is God first? Is God first in your life? Is God first in your business? Is God first in your family? And it will show up if it isn't. But the three things that will tell you is what are your priorities? God first family second, career third. It will show up. Um, our finance will tell us if God first, is, if God is first, and our time will tell us. If you can't give God any time during the day to just read the Bible and maybe be along with him, it doesn't have to be in the morning, but if you're not having some type of devotional time, um, and um, then it's hard to, can you say that you're putting God first? I'm not judging anybody, but it's hard to say that you could be, but um, you know, the other thing is, uh, and again, I'm not judging anybody, but um, just a question. The next thing, um, and Pastor Jonathan talked about this this morning. Are you, talking, are you holding on to resentment? Are you holding on to past resentment, to past hurts, failures, any of that kind of stuff? Are you holding on to them? Get rid of it. It's an anchor. You'll never be able to go forward. As I said earlier, God sees the, be the end from the beginning. And if, if you've got an anchor, it's really hard to get there. You know, if you have ever had a boat in the water and left the anchor, it's a lot harder to get somewhere than if you pull the anchor up. 
and resentment is an anchor. And so, you know, if you want to get to where you're going, be one of the fast and not the slow. Get rid of the resentment. It's an anchor. And then, uh, you know, there is a couple things that you can't control, and those things are what other people say and think about you. You can't control that, so don't worry about it. You know, you can't control it, so don't spend time wasting, don't spend any of your time thinking about what other people think of me or, you know, wasting time. Oh, man, I can't believe, you know, just don't, you can't control it, so why, why bother with it? Why spend time thinking about it? And then the other thing that you can't control is what's happened in the past, your past. You can't control your past, no matter what, what it was. As I said this morning, God has forgiven everything um, that you've done in your past. He's already forgiven you as far as the east is from the west. So we need to learn to forgive ourselves and need to forgive others because it's in the past. It's in the past. Don't bring the past to the present. So that's control what you control. Number three is uh, be consistent. And... Um, this is important because we've talked about what predictable success is, consistently following process that will lead to an outcome. And uh, so the Bible said that Jesus got up every single day long before daylight and prayed as his custom was. He had a custom. He had a process every day. He got up before daylight and he prayed. And that was his custom, as his custom was. Um, um, like I said with our reps, these processes are non-negotiable. You know, you have to consistently follow them or it's going to create chaos. Tweak them, make them your own, uh, however you did. And all of them, you know, I mean, we went from, you know, when computers were slow and, and some places it was hard to even get the internet um, to now, nobody would even think about working without a computer. I mean, we used to do takeoffs by hand, you know, do the takeoff of the windows, count all the windows, look at the window schedule, do all that kind of stuff. And then when I started, it was a price book. It wasn't a computer, and you'd have to go to the book and put all the options in and all that kind of stuff. It took forever. Um, but now, you can't imagine doing The reps now can't even imagine that. I mean, they got laptops, and they're putting the plans right into the pricing software, and it's, it's coming out in, you know, a third of the time that it took for us to do it. But they have a process doing that so they don't, make mistakes. They don't miss tempered glass. They don't miss egress. They don't miss any of that stuff because they've created a process. They've had to tweak them because things change. So most people, um, they'll try something. They're willing to try something, but if they don't see immediate results, they quit. And most of the time, they quit too soon. And we know what the Bible says about patience. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. So if we're patient, if, if we put these processes into place or, or new um, things into place, even if we don't see immediate results, we know what the outcome will be. It's predictable. It will be predictable. And so, you know, you can't quit. So um, be consistent. Don't quit. Um, studies show that it takes doing something for 17 days to change a habit. We got to do it. Um, if you don't brush your teeth and, and you forget about it, um, you know, you'll just keep forgetting about it if you do it one or two days. But if you do it for 17 days, it'll be a habit. So you'll get up in the morning, you'll brush your teeth. And uh, it's the same with anything. If you want to change a habit, you got to do it for 17 days. So if, uh, if you feel like you're stuck in a rut, create a new routine. Create new habits. And I, I shared this in, in the offering, Shekinah Glory. They're going to be here in a month. And uh, Lois said they were they were four-wheeling in Canada one time, and there was a sign that said, choose your rep carefully, you'll be in it for a long time. 
choose your rut carefully. So if you're in a rut, change your routine, change your habit. Don't just be stuck in it. And, uh, um, you know, and, and I said this before too, a while back, I determined that before I started my day, and this is just as me, um, but before I started my day, um, I was going to get in God's presence. I was just going to get in the presence of God. I wasn't going to ask for anything. I wasn't going to, you know, complain about anything. I was going to air anything. All I was going to do is just sit down and get in his presence. Just sit down and start worshiping him and, and glorifying him. And in my own space and time where nobody else is, I'd sing a little bit. And uh, just to praise and worship that I would never do in public. But, um, but uh, I mean, it's amazing how, t- you know, 10 or 15 minutes. I just said I'll commit 10 or 15 minutes. But the main thing is, Lord, I want to get immediately in your presence. If I'm going to give you 10 or 15 minutes, I don't want to take 12 of those minutes trying to get into your presence. And so I just start immediately worshiping. And, I, and I'm not kidding. From the minute I sit down and breathe that sigh of relief, bam, I'm in his presence. And it's just amazing. And the time goes so fast. Sometimes, um, you know, I look up and it's been a half an hour. And, you know, and, and um, most of the time, honestly, I'm not wired like that. I just keep looking at my watch. And then, uh, or no, I don't that very much. Um, but it's, I, I know when it's 10 or 15 minutes. And so, uh, um, but it sets the, home, the tone for the whole day. It's, I mean, it's, the outlook is for the whole day. And then after that, then I can go to God if I have any complaints. Most of the time you don't because they're already so small by then that God is so big that you're not worried about him anymore. But it sets the tone for this, the whole day. And I mean, I could go on and on about it, but it was just changing a couple habits, just changing one habit. You know, I'm going to get up every day, and I'm going to get in God's presence every day. And it doesn't matter if it's Saturday, Sunday, whatever day it is, I'm going to get up and, and get in his presence. And it will bring positive results. It's predictable. It's predictable. I know if I change good eating habits, I'm going to be healthy. The outcome is healthy, right? If I, eat, if I work out every day, if I start working out, the outcome will be that I get in shape. You know, that's the outcome of it. And so it's predictable. And so number four um, is just make a daily checklist. Just check up on yourself that you're doing um, what you committed to do. And literally, it takes less than one minute. It takes less than a minute if, if whatever it is, are we... Are we committed to this, and are we following this, and, you know, are we, are, are we putting it to practice? And um, am I holding myself accountable to these today? Am I going to do what I say I'm going to do? If I tell my, you know, back in the day, you know, um, hopefully it'll be my grandkids playing before too long, but uh, when my kids were little, if I told them that I was going to be at their baseball game, I was going to be at their baseball game. I was not going to have an excuse later that why I couldn't make it. Because I held myself accountable to the process. And part of the process was the priority. And so no matter what that was, no matter what that I committed to, I did it. I committed to it. And sure, there's going to be times that things don't work out that way. It's life. But, you know, 90% of the time it works out if you commit to it. If you make it a priority, it will happen. Um, but uh, there's always whitewater. You know, we, we call it whitewater when just things seem to go to, you know, where you just, you know, something changes in a day. You got a really, really mad customer or um, whatever it is. Um, you get a flat tire, your car breaks down. Whatever the circumstance is, we can always have whitewater. And, but 
no matter what that is, and you have to navigate it because you've already committed to the other processes, this doesn't, isn't, you know, the day killer, the, you know, what it could be, you know. And so uh, it keeps me on track and eliminates um, chaos. So that's basically it. Um, and, um, but the thing is, so I'm so convinced of this that, um, and this is my commitment to you, is I'm so committed to this, and I know it, that I know that I know, that um, if you're, um, if you have a goal that you're passionate about, not just a want, um, but something that you're passionate about, I will help you with the process. I will personally help you with the process. Um, but you, you know, it's up to you to do it, but I will personally help you, and um, that's how I feel about it, because I know it works. I, I've lived it for 40 years, you know, I've just lived it, so I know it'll work. Um, things are always changing. Um, you know, if you, if you watch golf at all, um, golfers always, technology changes every single year. You know, clubs get better, um, athletes get better, their swing speed, you can see here with Jonathan, his, speed, his swing speed seems to uh, increase every year, and so they got to change. they got to change to make up for their, their equipment and their swing speed, and so we hear them all the time saying, um, you know, I have a new process, and, and right now it's coming a little slow. It's not going as quick as I want, but I'm trusting the process, and I know if I trust the process, the outcome will work out. I will have a successful outcome, and Rory's a good example of, he didn't play that great in the, in the Masters, but he's a good example of trusting the process and um, because change happens. And then, um, um, so, um, trust the process. Trust the process. And like I said, if you want any kind of help, personal, business, I don't care what it is, um, if you have a goal and you want to work this, my cell phone number is 970 <laughs> 970. <laughs> it's 970-379-9379. Um, Real simple, 379-9379. And uh, I'll help you. I hope because I know, I know it'll work. And I want to, you know, it's just like I know at the beginning I said, you know, I haven't felt so much um, opposition and anxiety about this is because I know, I know if you're successful and prosperous and you're not um, always consistently worried about success and prosperity and this gets that over, what a difference that will make. What, it, it made a difference in our life and uh, it'll make a difference in yours and um, that's why I'm up here, is, is to be a help. Amen? Let's pray real quick. Father, we just thank you for this time together. I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for your wisdom more than anything. I thank you for your wisdom, for your godly wisdom, Lord. And I thank you for wisdom over each and every person here that you'll give them your wisdom. The Holy Spirit will lead them and guide them and show them the way they should go, as, as Isaiah 48 says. And, and I thank you, Lord, that, that if I can be a help to anyone, I want to be a help. And we just thank you, we praise you, we give you all the glory. In uh, Jesus' name, amen. amen. So you can go ahead and stand.